0: don't know why. not Hi, this is podcast number one. Starting my journey with you. My name is Nicholas. And I'm going to talk about my uh, life, um, starting kind of weird and bad stuff, and to kind of give you an idea on my humorous take of things and what molds a person into becoming the man or the person they become. is basically their past experiences. So I'm going to start with born in Long Beach, California to a schizophrenic mother, and my father was involved with the Hell's Angels. Uh, I got out of the Army, worked at Reynolds Aluminum, this plant where he made uh, cans for all the Coca- cola Pepsi bud Light anything in the world so uh, my mom tied me to a bed when I was like really young for three days the neighbors heard me scream and they called the police and I was uh, it was my first time I was a ward of the court for in California for abuse and back in the 70s that's pretty impressive because abuse wasn't really yeah you beat a kid yeah set them on fire it's just the way things go you beat him with a belt and it just they should have be they shouldn't have talked back so it was, yeah I consider it was abuse back then, though, so I'm in the courthouse about three years of age from what I remember, and they put me in like this um, restroom stall with no, it was like to the floor, to the ceiling, it was like thin wood, and I just remember crying and screaming a little bit, and the lawyers talking outside, my parents, and I guess they were deciding who I was going to go with, I ended up going with my dad, and he got custody, because my mom, um, she'd take me to a mall, she got uh, a little visitation. And when I was at the mall, she was talking her talk in which the CIA and the government was drugging her with LSD and silly things like that. And I was like, I realized, like, I didn't like the CIA because of what she told me, and I did believe her. But at the same time, I'm like, I had a little bit of ability to discern things. I'm like, this doesn't sound right. So she walks up to some lady in a, with a baby carriage. She takes the baby out and she runs away. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? Even as a, as a kid, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa what? So she comes back, finds another carriage, takes another baby and puts it in the corner and they come back and the police catch her. And I'm just like, as a kid, I'm like, that's these are things I remember, things that impressioned me and why my mom got locked up. In the 80s, I guess they, some guy named Reagan let all the people that had issues out. Well, they kept her in. Like my mom was taking drugs, they told me, that would knock a whole city block out. And now that I give these meds, I really understand what she was on. I'm like, dang. So the odd thing is um, later on, Um, I put some maybe my mom wasn't so crazy after she died I started reading things and there's this guy named Charles Manson the Monroe Institute in 1968 there's this movie called Men that Stare Goats True Story they were experimenting with things one of the things they experimented was with LSD Charles Manson he got arrested 8 times the CIA guy from Ohio went down and released him from Orange County the same place my mom was at And uh, she's a pretty blonde lady, big boobs, like model looking, and she's, I guess, impressionable. And so she could have been one of Charles Manson's people. And I'm like, oh, my God, my mom wasn't lying to me. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking that just to justify things. But, um, and my dad always said that when she was, when I was born, that's what caused her to go schizo because she wasn't like that before. So I'm like, well, I like the LSD idea versus me being responsible for mom while I'm going crazy. And then my grandma um, from Germany, she comes out and didn't like my mom being crazy, and so she kind of leaves and goes back to Germany, I'm like, Grandma, mom, please take me, so my grandma was, uh, mm, she was uh, eight years of age when World War II was going on, or something like that, and she was like, uh, in Girl Scouts, they called it the Nazis, I guess, but somehow the family got a bunch of gold after World War II, I don't know how that happened, but I'm just saying it's probably not a good thing, but I was like, oh my God, I could have been a millionaire, and my grandma always brought me like, she brought me a $400, uh, what do you call it, um, cashmere sweater. And here I am as a kid playing in the mud. I didn't know what a cashmere was. It was itchy. I'm like, fuck. And so, and she bought me like the nicest toys, like these wooden toys from Germany that moved and did crazy things. And I'm like, if I would have kept that stuff, it would be priceless today. But you just don't think things as a kid. I was tearing stuff up. I had a stretch Armstrong. I tore apart. I had this bionic man, the Steve Austin thing. You could look through his eye, You could roll his arm up. There's a spaceship. He went in. I'm like, Oh, my God. I'd love to buy that now, but I don't even know if they sell that stuff in the 70s. It's just so old. Anyways, my dad was um, an artist. He used to draw for magazines and stuff. Like, he was a legit artist. He drew the craziest stuff, but he did tattoos on himself, too. So he drew the things, then he put it. He did his own tattoos. He couldn't do the spider um, thing on the back of his arm. What's it called? The spider web. But he did draw a... Japanese kind of like dragon on the bottom of his left leg. And it was huge. It took up his entire left leg. Then it turned into a dra- uh, snake as it went up above the knee. And then the snake wrapped around in a curvy type fashion and attached to his uh, private pe- penis. And um, on the tip, he uh, was doing eyeballs. So he brought me in. He broke it a moment, inhaled it in front of my nose. And I was like, oh my God. And he said, if I pass out, I want you to break this. And so he's he was in nine motorcycle accidents being involved with all these motorcycles and stuff. And he was in extreme pain. He took alcohol, narcotics, and then street drugs. And he was lit. He was loaded and he was still screaming. And he passed out. So I broke, I'd say like seven or eight ammonia inhalants to wake him up. And I'm like, I will never get a tattoo in my life. I'm like, Oh my God, the pain I can handle needles and stuff like that. And IVs. But when it comes to lead tattoos, I look at people, and I'm like, Oh my God, such deep respect. And I'm like, I can handle pain to an extent, but when I bump my toe, my wife says I'm a big baby, and I'm like, because I used to run like ultra marathons, and I can deal with the pain with the mind that way because you hypnotize yourself. But if it's an instant pain, I'm like, no, no, no. A tattoo pain is something you intentionally do, and I'm like, I'm afraid if I do try to drug myself, I'm gonna end up with some fucking crazy thing. Like, I always wanted a tattoo is so unique that it would be like Papa Smurf lightsaber with vampire uh, fangs i mean it was a, no one else had that tattoo in the world and so my son went just back to arkansas he moved back and um one of the guys at work at the um air conditioner place has a tattoo of a trailer park with an atv jumping over it. and i'm like that deep respect because no one else that's a conversation started right there no one else has that too, tattoo and i'm like damn if you're gonna spend money that's well spent because what are you gonna say to that it's like what did you what were you and you're just like yeah I had a Bud Light, and I said, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Now, the Bud Light does anything to anyone. I'm just saying it's a joke because of the current environment right now. It just makes me laugh. I'm red and blue, but uh, I still got to make fun of Bud Light because what they did was just messed up. They got themselves in a pickle, and instead of making fun of themselves and apologizing, they dug themselves deeper into this pickle. And I don't mean pickle in a phallic way. I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to offend anyone that's woke or anything. I'm just saying, I better stop. (laughs) So my dad grew marijuana to help himself with the pain. And so when I was um younger, my brother and I, um I brought my father called us into the kitchen, he started screaming like and he's on the ra- rage murder. He has guns. He had a sawed off 44 Magnum. He was going to kill us because someone was taking his freaking marijuana and smoking it, selling it, doing something, but it was gone. And he was livid out of his mind. And cause he used to take the marijuana, put it in the backyard. Then he'd microwave it to dry it out. Um, in a glass jar in the backyard, then he'd microwave it. He had this plan and he sold it and stuff. So he's making money off this stuff. And, um, I remember as a kid just being the whole house was filled with smoke. But I thought like Bill Clinton, that unless you put it to your lips, you were not inhaling. You were not taking marijuana. I was not doing marijuana. What I was doing was just staring at toys in my room and the ceiling fan and the sunlight that came through the glass. And there was a prism effect and the rainbow. And I was like, Oh my God, I love you toys. I love you Batman. I was just like freaking lit. I didn't know it. So my dad had a bunch of, uh, Candy bars, but Butterfingers and Twix, and they, um, he'd buy like eight boxes of each. Put it in the refrigerator in the garage where he'd do his uh, motorcycle stuff. And he'd had an old panel truck. He was always fixing stuff. He dreamed of making money in sports. And so anyways, I was eating those candy bars, something fierce, and he and I would drink like a half a um, gallon of milk. I would just get the munchies. I didn't know what it was. I just like must eat. But I was super skinny because as a kid, I ran, rode my bike six miles a day. to School and six miles back to North High School in Riverside, California. Anyways, my dad calls me into the kitchen. Me and my little brother. He threatens to kill us. Where's the marijuana? And all of a sudden, three days later, we're thinking we're gonna die. My father is Hell's Angels maniac, crazy in the head. We think we're. G- he just killed the dog in the alley that had got hit by a car, and the neighbors called him over because my dad's like the bad guy, and uh, he had enough money left over from the um, motorcycle accident. He told off an Italian, and the Italian hit him and caused him a huge. Uh, injury enough for like him to buy a ton of stuff long story and then uh, so we're expecting to die he calls us in the kitchen he's laughing three days later and we're like he's laughing this is not good what's going on he looks over the cat's passed out and he's like oh it wasn't you guys it was the cat the cat was eating it and he's passing out every day and i'm like mother of god the cat almost got me killed i had no ill will towards the cat because he's just getting his life on and doing the, living his best life. But I'm like, at the same time, I almost died from a cat getting high off marijuana. My God. And so, but I love animals to this day. It's not the bottom line there. But later on, I got in a fight with my dad. I was like 15 or so. And um, I was lifting weights because I didn't want to get beat up and like tortured anymore. My brother was getting beat up enough from the fourth mom. And anyways, um I lifted my dad up into the back of his back hit the uh, ironing board I threw, like football I lifted him up and tackled him into that and he screams so he picks me up and throws me across from the hallway into my room onto the bed which I had just been changing the light bulb so the glass the old glass uh, square thing was on the bed and I broke and I cut my hand so I'm like fucking pissed next day I go to school tell my, fingers, uh, my only teacher I could trust Mr. Huff old guy with a war wound of some sort limped on a cane riverside california good guy um so i go to ch- uh, foster care and this lady this angel i don't know her name anything about her it was a secret location it took us to so i was there and there was like 10 other kids was a lot of kids but these two black kids had been the father turned up the water heater they'd been melted the only thing that wasn't melted was their private area and their butt because the white tidy whities that were on and their entire skin, their head, everything, their eyes, their ears, everything had been melted like a candle. All I could do in maybe three and a half and two, something like that, four and two, I just started crying. I started trying to take care of the kids. The mom asked me to help out, and I did everything she asked from then on. After that one moment, I took care of all the kids. I put away the dishes. I tried to help her cook. I swept, took out the trash, anything she wanted I did. I kissed her because... She was truly, in my mind, a lady with wings and an angel in a heart that just gave to these kids. like. And she took me in at 15. I was the oldest kid at the time. But the father was such a unique person. I'll just call him that. I hated his guts. I hope he's dead. He was in the CIA. He had a room, and I wasn't allowed to go in there. I asked, hey, what's in the room? He's like, I'm in see CIA. Shut up. Don't talk about that. And he starts talking to me, and it's like, why would you ever turn your father in? You're a horrible kid. You're a horrible person. What would you think? You never, no matter what. And I'm like, you don't know what abuse is. And I didn't say this to him, of course. I didn't want to get in an argument because I'm getting free food and staying in his house. But I'm like, you'll never understand. And years later, people would say, like, you know, you need to reconcile with your father. And I'm like, you don't know what abuse is. And anyone that's gone through abuse, I have deep respect if you can reconcile. But if you've been sexually abused or mentally tortured for years I thought it was stupid because I was just known as shit ass and you're stupid motherfucker and just like horrible things constantly. And you start to live that persona because if you're just told that over and over, and they've done studies in college in which they told kids in in, uh, school that they told uh, teachers and the parents that these 20 kids are like geniuses and they weren't. because They did a test, but they came back years later and all the teachers and the parents treated those 20 kids like they were geniuses. And the Harvard professors said, like, no, nah, they were just seeing what you guys would do. And all those kids ended up in Ivy League schools. They thought well of themselves. And so I had the opposite effect. So when I joined the military, I looked around in the Air Force, and I was like, I'm not stupid. I looked at the enlisted people like, oh, Jesus. But the officers, I'm like, these officers are not making good decisions. These people are idiots. I could do better than them. I'm smarter than them. But I didn't realize it until I joined the military, which is a sad indictment of our military system because the Air Force is much smarter than the others. But the um, looking at society... I just think of myself as average, but when you're told you're stupid all the time and just an idiot, I just wasn't doing it good in school because I didn't think I was smart, but then I started going to college in the Air Force. Amy McNeil, she convinced me because I didn't want to go to college. I just needed to work hard. I turned down the GI Bill. I thought, Phew, why would I do that? That's stupid. I could work hard in my entire life because I'm going to you know, work hard and be like my dad and make $50,000 a year. And I thought that was a lot in the 70s. So I'm like now, growing up, I'm like, my God, how can you survive on that? Like, It's just different levels of like, how could you, like in today's times, it's, I don't know how people live off. Minimum wage is crazy. Anyways, going back to um, being in the foster home, um, stayed there for like seven days. Then my grandparents adopted me. I was awarded of the court again. California I was like, ah, oh, you're abused again. And so my grandparents stopped me to Arkansas. Bless their hearts. They are the best, like, thing that ever happened to me in my life. They adopted me. And uh, here I am, six foot Thin white guy, but huge muscular arms. The football coach is going crazy, so I get on the football team. I'm in the locker room, and Coach Moe, bless his heart, he's a good church of Christ, good Christian white man, short, stubby, really uh, football is everything in Arkansas, I'm not going to lie. So as any good Christian white man would do, he asked me in front of everyone, son, are you one of those homosexuals from California? And me being a smartass, 15 years of age, I was... Outgoing and just made fun of everything. Cause that's how I dealt with it. my defense mechanism was humor. I said, No, sir, but if we get me on the team, I'm willing to try anything. I'm willing to learn. And he did not find that funny at all. And so he went and got this board with holes in it, a big paddle wooden thing from his office. And he said, Son, you can either take these whoopings I'm going to give you with this board or you can run around the track for 10 miles. And I said, I don't know you well enough to spank me, sir. I thought it was funny. The guys laughed. The coach did not. He was a Christian. He was lost his mind because I kept insinuating he's gay. He did not appreciate my insinuations of humor. So here I am running around the track, 15 years of age, and I'm crying. 10th grade, I'm like, (laughs) snot bubbles coming out and shit. I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, I finally finished, and it was dark, and I was just like, i will never joke around again, coach. I'm so sorry. Anyways. I ended up, uh, 10th grade getting a, uh, the Kings club. I lifted 400 pounds bench press. I had to do it like two or three times. So I was like legit kind of big. And only other person did that was Lane Chapman. And, uh, Lane ended up going on to university, of Arkansas Fayetteville. He was a legit football player, really nice guy, smart. Um, just old, good old Arkansas boy. And he talked, he talked like this. He thought he was stupid, as a, but he scored really high on the ASVAB or ACT or something like that. And he was, uh, ACT and SAT. I forgot which one he, he did really well enough to get into college. And uh, back then, people were like, "My God, that's intelligent." And so, I didn't take the ASVAB or the SAT. I just took the uh, the ASVAB for the military, and I scored really high. And so, end up doing that. But um, one thing I did learn was forty mm, five year old women, Arkansas church, uh, religious. They said one thing that I was I found unique. Bless her heart, but did you know Tammy Sue is a whore? And I'm like, whoa, 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 you. You can't say that. That's against God's principles. And a uh, woman would say, like, no, it's not. I said, bless her heart. And that means God will forgive me for 30 seconds, and I can say what I want. I'm like, no, 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 God listens to you all the time. You can't just say that shit. And uh, say, bless your heart, black little heart, and just little things like that. And so when I say, "black," bless your heart, it just makes me think of that, the good old Christian ladies from the South, just like saying like a, an insult, if you will, but meaning kind of good. But it's just like a way of like, so when I hear bless your heart, I'm like, I mean, I did say it about my grandparents, but um, <laughs> bless their hearts. But I re- I meant it in a good, like, man, they were just a great people because they fostered me, they fostered other foster kids, and they were just anyone that can foster a, a, a child or foster an animal, like a dog or cat, until they can get taken in. Deep respect, because there's just so many people with compassion out there that change people's lives, and I respect that. Um, so now I save animals and crap. Anyway, I... um remember when I was in uh, high school, my heroes were my aunt when I got adopted to Arkansas. My aunt and my two cousins were nurses, and I always wanted to, because I was a small kid, and they were older than me, and I was like, and they had money. They had no lie. Back then, I thought money, because I was super poor. Um, my my cousins had jeans and white tennis shoes, like uh, very looking fancy, like uh, sneakers. I don't know if there was Nikes back in the in arkansas back in the uh the 80s but uh to me they just they had they had a car that ran i'm like oh my god, a truck and it was like oh my god i want to be a nurse and so um and my i guess my cousin he was a male kind of slow i um, really michael bless his heart he i mean in a good way <laughs> but he uh he bought me orange juice and that was like uh, he didn't have the money he lived in a trailer on his uh, my aunt's and uncle's house uh, on their property in the farm and uh he was super poor he worked as a um a janitor at a school, and he was slow, like Forrest Gump type, good person, good, one of the best people I've met in my life, and my cousins were so nice, so anyways, I made the mistake of being on the football team, and what are you going to do, Brookings, what are you going to grow up to be, and I'm like, I'm going to be a male nurse, and oh fuck, first of all, here I am from California, saying this shit, and I'm just like, oh my god, that's not the thing to say, but it was truth, and I ended up becoming that, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, FML. Um, I, tried, I had to use the humor to diffuse the situation. I had to talk like uh, my f- gay fake voice, like, listen, guys, you look really good. And the guys in the locker room didn't find it funny, but at the same time, they're like, man, you stay away from me. Don't let him touch you. He's going to give you the cuties and shit. And I'm like, <laughs> so yeah, they realized I was, you know, after girls, and I had a girlfriend, and I ended up marrying her later on. But, uh, yeah, they knew I wasn't gay, but at the same time, just to make fun of people in the locker room, it's what you do. It's a guy thing. And I know that's not appropriate these days to make fun of anyone that's, um, I don't even to call it woke or whatever. Anyways, to, I was walking up to school though. Um, so they had the, in the parking lot, you pull in mm, 200 spaces for cars, huge basketball gym on the right, huge locker room for the football team on the left. And there's just like 10 foot uh, cement thing going up to the school. And every 50 yards, it was like four or five steps. And then, like 200 yards altogether, and as I'm walking up, there's like 800 people before class, before the bell rings. They sit there, and they just jabber-jaw talk, BS. They, um, bless your heart, did you know Tammy Sue? Anyways, they're talking trash, and they say, hey, what's up? What's up? What are you doing? And um, I'm walking up, but I'm from California. I have my vans on. I have these purple pants that are rolled up, and they're kind of loose and baggy, and the pockets are kind of big, but kind of tight around my... Pelvis area, and then I have this shirt that's tucked in, but it's um, it's white, it has like purple uh, squares, red circles, yellow triangles with s- flashes of like just someone, some Pollock, threw some black ink on there, and they're rolled up, up on the sleeves. And uh, I think, and I have my gla- sunglasses on, it's kind of sun's coming out, and I'm walking up with my three books in my left hand going to English class, and I'm thinking I'm the baddest thing on the planet because everyone's stopping touching their neighbors on the arm, like, oh, my God, look at that. And they just all are gawking at me. Mouths are open, just like, what the hell is walking? And I felt like, oh, my God, I'm the coolest. I'm Fonzie from the happiness. I'm the coolest thing on this planet. And as I'm walking up, I get to my class. I look down. My freaking zipper's open. And since my plant, pants are kind of tight, my zipper's not just open. It's freaking like a talker shop, clam completely open, I'm wearing purple pants, but at the time I was wearing these boxer briefs that were bright fire engine red, the reddest red of all reds of red readiness. And you know, as a 15-year-old guy and you're looking at Arkansas girls with tight pants, and back then they have nothing as revealing as today, but anything, even a breeze back then gave me <clears throat> stiffy or whatever. And so I'm walking up and they could see that I was, and I'll never been redder in the face in my life. Like that was one of the, one of the times, oh, I'll probably say one of the most ab- uh, embarrassing times, I think, there was um, a time, I was 21, I was in the military at the time, I had um, 19, I had two kids, but 21, my daughter was like two years of age or something, my son was like just born, so he's a baby, so my wife and my son, we got out of church, and I'm going into um, Searcy, Arkansas, huge Walmart, my grandma's in there, she knew how to press my button, she's very meek and quiet lady, but when she wanted to be loud and embarrass me, she could. So she walks into Walmart. Hundreds of people are walking through the door, and they have a sale of Fruit of the Loom's underwear. And she walks over and like, Nicholas, have you gotten any new underwear in a while? Because I'll buy you some right now because I'm not going to lie, cleaning out those underwear for you in high school. They were you staining them something fierce. And I'm like. Everyone at Walmart, in my mind, stops and is looking at me and walking by, and my grandma wouldn't let go. I'm like, Grandma, I buy my own underwear. I wash my own underwear. Kara doesn't have to do it. I'm just, come on. I got my hopes with me, my daughter. Come on, let's go, Grandma. I got my own underwear. Nicholas, no, I'm going to buy you some underwear right now. Do you want one? What size are you? Because they used to be big, and they were filthy. And I'm like, oh, my God, number two red in the face, had to walk away, my grandma wouldn't listen, and she got louder as I was walking, and everyone knew I was embarrassed, and red and walking away, and they were like kind of chuckling, and I'm like, you know, now wouldn't bother me, I'd laugh it off, and I would like, you know, go in with it, and like, you think that's bad, I'll crap my, but when you're 21, you're still, it's called looking glass self, you look in the mirror, and you think everyone thinks you're a dragon, like the perceptions of what you think other people think. At 21, I'm very sensitive. I thought I was fat back then. I was I had ripped abs. I had a, a picture of my shirt off that I saw when I was younger. I'm like, oh my god, I wasn't fat at all. I had one blemish, and I thought I was a dragon. And I'm like, man, God, if I knew what I knew now, when I was that age, I would have had like 20 kids. But no, my yeah, I just had two kids, and that's enough. Little demons. Oh my God, my daughter. I remember um, she only, hope only ate chicken nuggets. She loved her chicken nuggets. I had 20 pounds of chicken nuggets in the freezer. And all of a sudden, one day, she says, I don't like chicken nuggets. I'm like, you're going to eat these damn chicken nuggets. And she's like, no, I only want Peter Bear and jelly. And she threw a tantrum. I couldn't get her to eat chicken nuggets. She was, like, persistent. I tried to trick her, and she knew. Their little kids are deep. And so I go to the doctor. I'm young. And i just say, what can I do to get my daughter to eat them? We have 20 pounds of chicken nuggets. and I can't eat them all. My son doesn't eat chicken nuggets yet. And so uh, th- I never forgot this little Air Force uh, doctor said, have you ever considered uh, sitting down and rationalizing with your I uh, thought three or four. She was uh, a little older. But uh, have you ever tried rationalizing, rationalizing with your child? And I'm like, I thought to myself the other day, she was had a crayon and she was drawing on the wall in a circle. And I started screaming, stop! And she started uh, circling it quicker. And she's looking at me, knowing what she's doing, and just, like, just to get my, to rise out of me. So she, they know how to manipulate you. And I thought to myself, have you ever fucking tried, because they outranked me and I couldn't cuss or anything, but have you ever tried rationalizing with a terrorist? That little little kid's not going to listen to you like, hey, Hopewood. You know what you really should do is listen to your father and eat chicken nuggets. No, no. She would throw him at me. She would like stomp her. Like, yeah, I, that's why I love to tell parents now, have you ever considered trying to talk to your child? And they, <laughs> they give me a look of like, I will kill you. And it's just, I find it funny <laughs> because like I said, every 10 years, I say this all the time to people, every 10 years, your life changes perspective wise. When I was six, if my sister was uh, one year less than me, my half sister, if she got more ice cream than me, or she got to pick the Disney channel on Sunday nights, I lost my living mind, my marbles. I just lost them. I'm like, oh how my life is over, she got more ice cream than me. And then, because my third mom was... Uh, partial to her because I was her daughter she didn't care if I got ice cream or not and then when I was 15 if some girl didn't talk to me I'm like my life was over I'll never get a girlfriend or and now I understand like at 15 I was my life was a miserable mess and um just to think back like I understand that when someone loses their boyfriend they're cheating or something like that or the girlfriend and just like People commit suicide at that age, and I'm like, my god, if you could just make it into your 20s, you realize it's not that important, or you have to follow them to college and ruin your chances at a good college because you wanted to follow your girlfriend, boyfriend. And I like tell my patients now, like they to these young guys, I'll tell them, like, listen, here's the trick, or I'll tell the young girls what to look for too, because the little boys at that age, all they're looking to do is here's the secrets. My favorite movie The Titanic, and my favorite favorite movies, The Notebook, and it's this full moonlight out, and we're married in God's eyes, and I have sparkling apple juice, non alcoholic, and oh my God, I love you forever, and all of a sudden, she gives in, there's a kid involved, and it's just, that's why I tell the young guys now, if you don't use latex, she will take your paychecks. In other words, don't have sex till you're 26, because you can't trust anyone out there. They're all, like, innocent, and they look great, but oh my God. I remember going to school and college, and um, uh, I was dressed up too nice so I thought I was a doctor. I was a nurse in school going to Colorado Springs, like the STD clinic. And there was this uh, lady that came in. She was red-haired, and she had a body that was, like, from a magazine. Like, she was the most beautiful lady I've ever seen. She was, like, red-haired, big boobs, perfect butt, wearing a see-through white dress with, a like, a thong on. And I'm like, my God. So the guy starts asking her questions, like, and she's pretty, very innocent-looking. That's the deceitful part. Very innocent, and she's talking about... um he asked her, do you have sex? And she goes, yes, I do. And uh, do you have sex with men? She goes, yes, I do. And then women, yes, I do. Do you have orgies? Yes, I do. And everything he asked her, she did. The only thing she didn't say yes to was AIDS, but she had every disease, everything you could think of. Most beautiful lady. And then start asking her which bar she went to. I went to every single one of those bars. Every single one of my buddies and myself included. Anyone would have slept with this beautiful angel of like red-haired lady. I'm like, oh my God. It changed my perspective. So when I was in school, I'm like, no no so used to be in a running club called the hash house Harriers. like people run around and they drink beer and have fun good social club just good people at heart good i can't explain it just good honest people that just want to run and have fun no harm but uh yeah changed my perspective about things the older i grew and the more more i went to college and the more i learned stupid little things and went around the world in the military just life i guess because when i was 20 my life was just different and so i remember um High school, though, I uh, had really bad acne. And uh, in California, they gave me this experimental drug called Accutane. It's like massive doses of vitamin A to your livers. They had to monitor my liver. My skin on my face was peeling like a snake. No matter what they gave me for my lips, it was bleeding and cracked. Vaseline, you name it, nothing helped. But my, I used to have like oh, uh, oh, oh Edward J. almost like skin, like pitting edema really bad, or pitting uh, acne on my face. And so... Took the Accutane, it completely cleared me up. Everything's going great, and as residual, like afterwards, just to make sure it stays away, I go to with my grandma. My grandma's not about to spend. She was poor, grew up in the '30s, uh, um, Arkansas, uh, Iowa, and they were like, dirt poor. So my grandma's not about to spend money on some stupid acne medication because my skin's already fixed. So she goes and buys this stuff called hydrogen peroxide, H2O2. She starts putting stuff on my face, and all of a sudden, I have this skin that will turn my shirts when I sweat, like an orangish, whitish color, yellow, white, orange. So I just have an ammonia-type thing that presents for me, and I have a special like pheromone. I just smell bad. And so um, hyperhidrosis, I sweat a lot, something fierce. And so um, here I am going to school. My eyebrows are completely orangish-white, and the, all around my forehead... Uh, the hair around my ears and all that is all like completely orangish white. So I'm going to school in Arkansas at the time. And the kids are asking me, what's going on? Why would you do your hair that way? And I'm like, I am so embarrassed because my acne. I didn't want to tell them what I was using because I'm so poor now. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I didn't tell them anything. I'm like, yeah, I got, you know, secret. And I just don't talk about it. And all of a sudden, they're like, they go into a rage. And they're like doing their own hair. And they started doing their own trying to use chemicals. And their hair looked really, yeah, there was some, I started a accidental, I do not call it a fad. They're just trying to copy me because I was from California. They wanted to be Californian. And I was like so embarrassed and I couldn't tell. I never told anyone because I don't want to tell anyone in high school because then if they would have found out, they'd made fun of me. Like, you had acne. <laughs> it's like, fuck my life. And so there I was, went off to basic training. And my grandma was like my mom. She adopted me. And she was just a good lady. And so I would call her on the phone. Grandma, the Air Force is too tough. I can't. I want to come home. I can't tell. I was crying every night. I was a squad leader out of four squads. And it was just a mess. And she goes, Nicholas, you're too soft-hearted. You need to toughen up. You need to be mean and yell at people. You need to, oh. And so I'm like, oh, my God. Well, there's one time I was, uh, the drill instructor called me. He was like an E-4. But at the time, I was nothing. I was brand new in the Air Force. I was like 18, and I was like, nothing. And so I run in there to the, the main room because he called me from the TV room we were all sitting there because he was going to do a white line inspection like an inspection of all our uniforms and make sure the clothes were folded and if he threw out your bag or something and you threw out your locker you would just break down crying because you spent like six hours fixing it up that was our only job nothing else in the Air Force like the Marine Corps and the Army's out there shooting grenades and doing live exercises were like fucking irons and precision with underwear <laughs> and shirts and shit so it was my job Anyways, I run in the room, and I'm just like horrified because he point. He didn't even say anything; he just points down at the end of my row. Goss, the little Mormon guy, he was, uh, he was actually big, but he had crapped himself, and the guys that do the laundry didn't want to clean it up. He literally left a six-inch brown log. was really thick of crappy underwear literally hanging on the bunk bed. That was the only bed. It was only at the very end, there was like two bunk beds, and Goss was one of them. So they hung it on there so everyone would know. So I would get humiliated, and they weren't about to clean it. So I'm like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, run over, put it in my pocket, shove it in my pocket. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so he calls Goss in, and he's yelling and screaming, and I'm just like terrified that I'm going to get recycled too. So he brings us down to the major's office, which – at the time, a major was, oh, my God, the highest rank I'd ever even dreamed of now that I was in that situation. And so the major's like, totally, hey, Goss, how's it going? Because they go to church together. Mormon major, Mormon Goss. The guy totally forgives him, doesn't get recycled. So, But Goss had to shove all his stuff into a bag, a duffel bag, and then we had to go back upstairs. <sighs> And then I had to recycle. We had to uh, iron everything again and get everything back together. So Goss never got recycled. So out of like 62 people we started with, we were down to like in our 30s, and we at least had 42 recycles, and people kept coming back in. Like new people would come in. And then there was one guy that was so couldn't handle it anymore. His name was Hinkle. And so he said he was gay, and even though he was married with kids and stuff, um, we started after he got kicked out because they weren't going to – you just said that stuff in the 80s. You're like, bam, out. So we started saying hinkle, hinkle, little star instead of twinkle, twinkle, little star and uh, making fun of the best we could just to survive because everyone's getting recycled. We were like six weeks. We just had to survive six weeks and no one could do it. People started getting recycled for anything. And uh, we were just terrified of having to spend another week or two in this Air Force hell. And I spoke with uh, my buddies that did real stuff like Army, Marine Corps, Navy and stuff, and they just laughed. And I'm like, no, it was hard. They made us only 15 minutes to eat breakfast. <laughs> they, were like <laughs> they were out in the field with MREs, and here we were getting fresh, waiting for our omelettes, and we had like a little um, bar for ice cream that you go up. And yeah, just <laughs> And the 06 training at the time was the toughest like squad, and they had us, uh, I was in the tug of war squad. And so they had us uh, take a big rope with gloves and pull on this rope for 45 minutes till our hands were numb, and then they'd take us to the dining hall at night, and we could have separate dining uh, for us, and we could literally have pizza, chicken. They wanted us to gain weight, so they gave us everything. We were, like, gorged, and we, went and we won sports day, one of the greatest moments of my life, just, like, winning this and getting the weekend off, and we were, like, screaming in this this quad and we were like the best ever we were the best we we're like oh sex trade days we screamed for like till our voices went numb for like an hour and then the little major walks away and he got an award and we got nothing but at the, uh, we just the uh, bragging rights and i'm like think about this you walk out of high school with your letterman jacket you don't wear it after high school you walk out of basic training saying you won the what and just like a ribbon from yeah and I'm retired now, and I have like 21 ribbons, and it does no good. And all the times I try to be the best and get all these awards and accolades, and I'm like, that's nice. Because people look at you as a retiree when you say things. When I was your age, I got this award, and I was the best. And they're like, that's nice. Now please take a seat over there and take a number. And I'm like, fuck, people, as you get older, like those World War II veterans, I, after watching Private Ryan, you just want to cry, and you're just like, damn, deep respect. But, yeah, it's just part of life. You get older, and people make fun you and... My son, the other day, he's 31. He said his back hurt. And I'm like, fuck, he didn't do anything to hurt your back. I'm like, oh my God, stop your whining. Just like my grandma told me when I got my heart fixed. Like, stop your whining. But he called me a boomer. I'm not. I'm freaking 1970. 1964 is a boomer category. At the end of 64, they stopped boomers and then uh, baby boomers. But to use the boomer word these days is offensive. In fact, if you say the N word in the workplace, you'll be fired. If you say the word boomer, that's just as vile and you can be hot- fired. And I'm like, damn, the woke. Well, culture is fucking alive. And so I'm like, damn. I didn't, I just laughed it off. But I'm like, hurt my feelings. Like, damn, I'm getting older. And so, yeah, one of those things. I remember um, when I was first duty station in Air Force Base, I was, out, I was a dental. They chose dental for me so I wouldn't get too stressed because I told them the truth about my life when I was in my youth and they didn't want to stress me out. So dental assisting, what could be wrong with that? And then my black uh, roommate, real nice guy, he, um, we were in like a 800-foot room. I don't know how big it was, but it was a bunk bed, uh, two beds, and we had our own side. But the NCOs, or the older people, were telling me that there's this rumor that there's an uh, ether bunny out there. And the ether bunny is someone that takes ether from the hospital, comes back to the dorms at night, drugs their roommate, rapes them, totally goes to town. The roommate goes uh, to the ER and the uh, the uh, office of special investigations OSI like Oscar Goldman from the Bionic Man. They have um, they do an investigation that they think you're gay. Bam, you go to Leavenworth because you're gay. You're obviously someone did, did you in the and then you're like screaming, "No, it's I don't know what happened, but that's not my fault." And you know, yeah, they're going to believe that if you're the <laughs> gay guy. And all of a sudden. Um, not only are you raped, but you get kicked out after Leavenworth. You lose everything, and then you you have a dishonorable discharge, and so your life is ruined. And so I'm fearful, and I'm looking at my back. Roommate is a big guy, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't sleep. Because it's just in the back of your mind. I'm 18. I'm innocent. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to get raped by my roommate. And so didn't sleep, and so finally I got my own room. I was just like, did a bunch of stuff, and yeah, whatever it takes to get ahead. And um Little things you believe in the military. Just like the, the, the fearful like thing. When I was uh, going to get deployed for the first Desert Storm, we, was in, we were in Air Force and we got deployed to uh, Bister. What you'd call it Bychester if you read it in, in, as an American. But Bister, England, the English were the nicest freaking people. Oh my God. Even when I went back years later, the London people, the people from England are, love them to death. They're the best people in the world. I've loved every time I've been stationed anywhere, ever met British people. Just good damn people. And they love us. I don't know why. They just love Yanks, Americans. They, Anyways, I'm over there. In the dorms, they let me borrow their car. We were playing spades. Like, no one let me borrow their car. They took me around to um, this place called Piccadilly Circus. They took me to their favorite place to go, which wasn't there. They just wanted to treat me because I was American. They liked and so they took me to this place called KFC, and I'm like, what the fuck? I want English food. So they ended up taking me, after the KFC place, Then ended up getting me pizza because I like pizza. But their pizza was not like ours. It was the bland. And anything with salt on it was too spicy for them. Like, too, like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And they had potato chips, crisp, that were tomato-flavored or cucumber-flavored. I'm like, what the what? English food sucks. I'm not going to lie. It's dull. It's... um. Gordon Ramsay went to France to learn how to cook, put it that way. He's worth like $500 million now, but Gordon Ramsay's an excellent cook. And his favorite, uh, I forgot the shepherd's pie thing. Um, and I'm sure he knows how to cook it. He knows how to cook fish. But otherwise, the majority of the English food's kind of... Uh, f- f- uh, uh, ch- fish and chips are the best thing, I think. But um, their beer is like, eh. English beer, Irish beer is too harsh. Killian's like the, uh, It's like coffee. And then the French beer is even, oh, my God. But the wine in France, to die for. And then the best beer in the world is German beer by far. Like, you can't beat the German beer. They have laws. And the Belgium and the German beer is the best. And then the beers from India, uh, Japan, they're all different. Mexico's excellent beers, but they're lighter, like a half ice and You can see through them. Everyone has their different flavors. I just, everyone has their different tastes. There's nothing wrong with German beer, or sorry, English beer, um, french beer irish beer it's just everyone has their. and americans are very popular with the ipas the, mo- the more bitter it tastes the more awful it tastes like this is great i'm gonna torture myself some more but different opinions anyways this is gonna be my podcast just a little humor here and there i'm gonna interview people more in a moderate level I'm, I'm red in certain areas i'm red about guns i want my guns to protect myself and my family the border i think we shouldn't have an open porous border unless it's the canadians they don't hurt anyone but uh down south we just need to stop like because the medical care is just we can't take care of everyone in the hospitals so we need to have certain things like mm. and then when it comes to blue i'm like women's rights woman gets raped incest anything like that for abortion women should have the right to choose their own body men should have no say in that and no other woman should tell other women what to do it should be their own right so I'm blue in that regard. So it's saying like voting. Everyone should be able to vote. There should be no, we're going to restrict you unless you vote like us. I think that's bad. So I'm blue that way. Racism, totally blue. No, there should be no racism at all. Everyone should have the ability to uh, pursuit of life, uh, liberty, and happiness. Like, just fucking leave people alone. But we can't do that. We need to torture people. Our people can do it, but their people can't. It's just like, a, oh, my God. Remember in Arkansas, football guys asked me why are you talking to Den- uh, Dennis Miller, a little black guy who's an um, awesome running back, just a good guy, and he would talk to me, and we'd laugh, and I'd, he's my friend. And Dennis Miller would, um, just a nice guy, innocent, nothing wrong with him. But the white guys would be like, "Why are you talking to Dennis Miller?" I'm like, "Because he's fucking nice to me. Um, he's nice to me, so I reciprocate back. I am not going to be. I judge every single person on who they are." Not every single Indian, Black, uh, Arab, uh, Chinese, uh, Russian, uh, Mexican. Every single person's an individual. No one is can be lumped in with all races, all countries, all people from Arkansas. Okay, I can lump people in Arkansas, but <laughs> now that I'm in Colorado. But all people from California, all people from New York, like every people are just people. That's why I kind of want to go towards the moderate perspective and just like interview people, be nice to people, get their ideas and their thoughts and bring the ideas together. I like Joe Rogan's idea, just he's a little too to the right, so I kind of want to bring it more to the middle and just interview people and not come up with wild conspiracy theories. I do like some conspiracy theories. Everyone has their own little like JFK or the moon landing, which the moon landing did happen and JFK was shot. I just believe he was shot by more than one person according to the ballistics and the uh, sound effects and all that crap. But everyone has their own little conspiracy. The 9-11 thing was a conspiracy. The voting thing is full of crap. That's Biden won. There's no, but people are really go lose their minds off that one. And then the whole um, COVID thing, COVID did happen. It was a real disease. Some little orange guy said that it was completely false and it was fake just to get him not get elected. But it really did occur and people really did die. My favorite thing is to tell people you don't need the uh, immunizations as long as you get the Bill Gates computer chip because it's going to control you, and I can't control myself. Just like I joke around with people now about the Bud Light thing, I was um, in the hospital, and they gave me some, I lost three liters of blood after my colonoscopy, and I almost died. I had heart failure on my hemocomatocrit, like my H&H for the blood. I didn't have any oxygen to breathe, so I was like, they gave me a bunch of blood in the hospital. I'm like, did they give me woke blood? because I can't stop drinking Bud Light now, and I love bananas. And so just joking around, like, how much woke blood do they give me? So I joke around a little bit, and someone in the hospital was offended. I'm like, oh, my God, i got to get away from this. Like, just joking around is kind of comedian. But uh, you got to be careful what you joke around about, because you could be canceled. Anyways, this is my little podcast. I'm um, politically incorrect, I guess is the best way to put it. I always have been. have my own ideas. I use humor. Um... Uh, to navigate life and as a defense mechanism but don't want to hurt anyone's feelings but eventually being on a platform like this with narratives out there someone's going to be offended eventually i just hope they don't want to kill me <laughs> i'm worth a million dollars my wife wants me to die i think she's trying to push me off Clifford to go on vacation i'm so i'm kind of scared but yeah as you get older things change at 18 i didn't have life insurance now i do but anyways why so spicy i wanted to get uh professional comedian uncle roger to use it in a, like an asian voice like a food type thing because he says it all the time like why so spicy and so i want, but if i do it if i do like an asian voice i sound like racist so i'm just gonna say why so spicy is my uh, podcast name uh i looked at the uh my father-in-law who just put in a memory care unit um because he was just getting to the point where it couldn't safely take care of him and uh on the wall they had these uh really nice paintings and they said, crunchy, juicy, spicy, something else. And so I was, that's what I was going to name my podcast, Crunchy, Juicy, Spicy. But I asked around, and people were like, no, nah, it's kind of weird. And so my son came up with, why so spicy? Sounds kind of like a food thing or, or offensive in some nature. And so um, that's why I asked around, and all the people that I've asked, like people, I think 15 people said yes, and two people like the crunchy, spicy, juicy thing. But 15 people like the Why So Spicy, so that's what I'm going with. I'm going to call it that, and I'm going to start interviewing people uh, next week. And this is my first podcast, and it'll get better over time because Joe Rogan, Howard Stern, everyone out there says, you just got to do it to get into it. And that's it, my own little humorous takes. I'll do uh, little humor uh, stand-up type things where I'll just talk. And my little humorous takes on public um, interest or current events, if you will, And just try to uh, make people happy. And that's it. Peace out. Nicholas.